I'm excited, guys. I'm really excited because I know that God has us here in this specific place in this specific time. I don't know what it's going to look like in the future, but I know right now we're going to do our very best with what we got and steward it well because God has called us to. All right. This is an opportunity we have and a divine opportunity. All right. We're going to continue on our series called Greater. I hope that you guys are believing for God's best. We've had some characters show us some things like Moses. I love that guy. Just real people. Remember the understanding is who God is as the big I am us as the little I am who we are in him, which is really key. All right. But also understanding, you know, why am I here? Why am I here for discipleship? but to be a disciplined follower of Christ. That's it. Are you understanding that? When we come into this thing called faith, it changes everything in our lives. We become what we are supposed to be from the very beginning, a disciple of Jesus Christ and someone that then looks to disciple others. Last week, we understood some key aspects of what a disciple is to possess as characteristics. Do you remember that? Hopefully you did. If not, you caught it on the podcast or you will hear soon. They look like some things like this. Humility, right? A disciple is someone who is humble, which is so key. Someone that is willing to sacrifice. Someone that understands what it means to forgive. And a lot of times, again, we're we're waiting for the forgiveness from someone else. And that is just the craziest thing to do sometimes. You have to forgive and you have to be forgiven so that you can move on and live within your skin sometimes. Sometimes waiting for that apology may never come. So you don't lean on that. You lean on him. Be willing to forgive. And the last thing is love. And remember, we we camped on this for a moment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And then Jesus flips it like this. Love your neighbors as as yourselves. Matthew 22, 34 through 40. This week I was speaking with Derek um, as we were having a, a meeting time together. And we were talking about the love of God. And we were talking about the love of others. Did you notice that Jesus did not say, love God, love yourself, and love others? Did anybody ever think about that? Did you ever ever think that Jesus did not say, look, listen, this is the most important thing in the world. You got to love you, man. You got to do you. You got to take care of you. He said, no. Love God and love others others. Why? That's what I'm feeling. The spiritual undertow of this community that we're going to just put out there from here to Waynesburg all the way around. If we love God well, if we love others well, we will always be loved. Are you with me? You're like, what? That's simple. Duh. This is what we have to do. We have to simplify these things to be a follower of Christ. A lot of people say, you're going to talk about discipleship? Absolutely, because if we miss that, we miss it all. And I think about the marriage relationship I have with Kara. You know, and it's great in this way because it's actually a great one, you know. It's a wonderful relationship. And this, that we love God with everything in us, and then we love each other. You know what's awesome? Is every time I go in my closet, and this, she doesn't have to do this. She does this out of love. There's always socks. It's like the magical sock replenishing station. No, we help. I help to fold them and stuff like that most times. Sometimes I'm getting better. But the thing is this. She loves to take care of me. And I love to take care of her. Isn't that the love that we should share as disciples? When we look to somebody, we say, how can I love you well? 
because in return, you will be loved well. Now, will everybody love you back well? We all know, no. But it's your job to love well, okay? So love your neighbor as yourself. Love him, love them. Understood last week what a disciple looks like, a pupil, a learner, which is so key for us to always be learning. If you're not learning, you're dying, okay, basically. You need to always be learning. You always be growing in your faith. But then we see that uh, discipleship is one thing, okay, that's very important. It's the understanding of who we are, right, who we are to be. But then Jesus makes sense of something that's very important for us as to where we are to go. See, there's, there's an exchange, there's a change that happens when we follow Jesus, that we, we come up under him and we understand that I'm a believer now, my sin has been taken away, I understand what I have to do to follow you, but then he says, look, there's something else that I want to do in you and through you. I want to send you to others. You're like, duh. Listen to me. He wants to send you to others. He wants to change discipleship to apostleship. An apostle is one who is sent. A disciple is one who is there learning in the, in the context, in the situation. Now, a lot of times when we hear things like this, we really begin to discredit ourselves right off, the, right off the bat. But the thing is this, what I want us to remember, what I always want us to never forget as well, is that what kind of people did Jesus use? Who did he call? Normal, ordinary people to do extraordinary things. So that means we fit right in the mix. We fit right in there and that he can use you to do amazing things. So that's what we're going to camp on today for just a moment. We're going to start with this. You'll see it on your screen, the Great Commission, right? You're like, we're going to go back to this? Absolutely. Absolutely. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee. Do we know why there's one missing? Yes, we do. Okay. Judas. To the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. So they were following directions to meet Jesus there, okay? When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, so we get to love him, love them. Then you get a therefore, Father, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This is why we, we really use baptism as a faith step also for folks to show that my faith has been made complete here. I wanna publicly display my faith before others. Why? Because Jesus told me to. It makes perfect sense, which means if you wanna get baptized, let us know. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, I love this, and surely, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now you think about this. Jesus dies, come back. You know, um, he's about to ascend again forever. And the, and the apostles now at this point, disciples, apostles, are hearing these terms that surely I will be with you. You see this, to the very end of the age. Do you think as a follower of Christ and someone that he's sending out, would you even doubt that very statement? I would. In my natural self. As we conclude this, that statement will make sense as to why and how he will be with us to the very end of the age. He is making us someone who is to be sent out. Hudson Taylor, a missionary to China in the late 1800s, said regarding the go factor, being sent, he said this, the Great Commission is not an option to be considered, 
It is a command to be obeyed. The Great Commission is isn't something that we're like, eh, sure, I'll take two years. You know, I'll, I'll take a year. I'll, I'll, I'll reach out to people. No, this is an everyday, everyday, everything kind of thing that he's calling us to. Something to be obeyed. Something to be obeyed. So we understand the look of a disciple from last week. But how does a disciple live? How does an apostle, right? How do they live? Because this is the key. So often, people will listen to your actions before your words. People will listen to your actions before your words. And Jesus is challenging us to go, which means to walk, to do, to be. Not just in an existence, but as an individual reflecting him. So there's some things that we got to understand, guys, that we're supposed to live like as we look like a disciple, an apostle, one who is sent, okay? It's essential for us, and we don't want to miss it. So here we go. You ready? We're going to start with this. They live in authority. Disciple lives in authority. And I've already talked about this a little bit. So often we doubt our abilities in him. We doubt our son and daughtership in him. We doubt that what our brother, if you will, because we're co-heirs in Christ, what Jesus did was really enough. We question ourselves and think, do I really have authority in this life? Do I just receive it as it comes? Or do I have the ability to speak to life and see changes happen? Well, scripture tells us, Jesus told us this understanding, Matthew 10, 1, Jesus Called, you remember that? Which is an understanding, again, that he wanted these guys. He specifically picked them out, his 12 disciples to him, and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits, which is also evil spirits, is another context there, and to heal every disease and sickness. Okay, let's not read over this and pass it by. Listen again. Gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. Does that mean that you can pray for someone and they can be healed? Absolutely. I think that it is probably the, the greatest telltale sign that, that God is still alive and well when somebody can be prayed for and they're healed. Sometimes the greatest healings are emotional. Sometimes it's really cool to see that they're physical. You hear of this stuff in other countries more than here. Someone prays for somebody whose leg is broken or was broken long ago and it healed crooked. And all of a sudden, back in place. You're like, ooh, that scares me. Shouldn't. Because here's the thing. As a co-heir of Christ, as a believer, you have authority. We don't think about that way, do we? A lot of times we just take sickness. We take brokenness. We take all these things and just say, well, it's just... It's the hand I'm dealt in life. But here's the thing. We're supposed to be whole in him. Otherwise, what Jesus did was for nothing. His body was broken that you may be whole. His blood was spilled so that you may have eternal life. If we don't take that seriously, it was for nothing. You have authority. Do you think you do? Oftentimes, no. Well, my faith isn't strong enough. I've sinned so much, so greatly. Guys, look at the disciples. 
Real examples of real people that were real mess-ups, but yet God used them. We don't go on sending to test grace, no. But the truth is this, we have authority, all right? You have authority, and don't forget it, okay? It is not the commission of our Lord still binding us. Is not the commission of our Lord still binding us. Can we not do more now than we are doing? William Carey. It's an understanding that we can do more and God wants to do more through us. We just have to be open. You have to be open to it, okay? Second is this. They live with instruction. (laughs) This is hard sometimes. Now, you've heard this from me before and maybe you haven't. I'm an instructions kind of guy. I am a GPS kind of guy. There's some people that are like, well, you're not a real man. And the thing is this, okay? Um, I love instructions. Why? I hate to waste time. Anybody understand what I'm talking about? If I'm driving in a car, I want to know the fastest route. If Google Maps can update it faster, then I'm down with that too. If I can trim off, all right, here, booyah, okay? That's more time to relax there at my destination, all right? Now, we got to understand something about our lives, though. We can't buck instruction. It's something that we have to bring in and welcome into our lives. Matthew 10, 5 through 7, these 12 Jesus sent out. Remember the emphasis that he sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles, which is simply a non-Jewish person, okay? Isn't that nice just to simplify things? Or enter any town of the Samaritans. Those were the ones that resulted from Jewish and Gentile intermarriage after the captivity in the Old Testament, okay? Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message, instructions, right? He's telling us what to do, where to go, what to say. The kingdom of heaven has come near. So why not to the Samaritans? Why not to the Gentiles? Do you ever read stuff and wonder why? Do you? This is how you should always do. Question the word, dig deep, find answers, okay? Godly answers from his word. Why not? Everybody, he did come for everyone, but he wanted to make sure he got those that had it here in their minds First and foremost, they were expecting this kingdom to come. That's why I use this terminology, kingdom. They were expecting a Messiah to come, but they did not think it was Jesus. So he says, go to them first. Why? Because the folks that you go to first are going to help you impact the rest of the world. Why? Because I'm changing their thinking and all of the knowledge that they already have. As an understanding of this, love God, love people. Right? All the law and the prophets hang on these things, as what Jesus was saying. I'm doing something new, and they have to know it first so that they can help spread the word. They had influence. They were the influencers of the day. They were the representatives of God, if you will, God's chosen people. That's why. Here's the thing. Two things. An understanding that God has sent you to a specific people. Is it by chance you are where you're at in your life? Is it by chance that you're at WVU or Waynesburg or in Morgantown or whatever? I think about it. I know the stories of a lot of you guys, where you've come from and what you've been. Is it by chance? No. Nothing's by chance. Nothing's by chance because God has destined your days to impact a certain people for a certain time. Do you understand what I'm talking about? And that he will help you what to say and when to say it. 
a certain people for a certain time what to say and when to say it. He will put the words in your mouth, literally. You have to just trust and obey. Trust that. You remember that? Anybody? You guys still asleep. I got you. Matt, you were supposed to help me. Thanks. Just kidding. I always go, I give him the look and I'm like, nothing, nothing. It's up to us to trust and obey what he says, his instructions. But a lot of times we get confused, we get sidetracked and all of those things, don't we? Do you know Barna, and this is a little bit older data, so it's probably changed, shows that more than one third of adults, 36%, I'm sure it's changed, stop whatever they're doing to check their device when they get a new text message. About the same number, 35%, admit their personal electronics sometimes separate them from other people. Take control. Take control of that junk. Simple things. Turn off notifications. Turn off stuff. Don't even turn it on until you're with him. Right? Wake up in the morning. Turn on worship. Turn on the word of God. Before you even look at this stuff, why? We get our focus right. We get our instructions right. We get our marching orders for the day. Our mind is not foggy. We live on purpose. All of you have a purpose. All of you have a people. And all of you have the words to say. Don't care what you say. I believe it. And I believe it in you. Okay? They live depending on God. The third thing, Matthew 10, 8 through 10. Jesus tells their disciples that they are to heal the sick, raise the dead, Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. He says, freely you have received, freely give. Right? Do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you for your belts. <laughs> I love when Jesus does this stuff. He's like, look, don't take money. Don't take monetary things. Don't take things that will, will give comfort. Don't take a pillow. Don't take anything. Because here's the deal. I am going to provide. And I'm going to provide healing through you. I'm going to provide the opportunity for you to discern between the right and wrong spirit that may be in somebody. Not everybody's demon-possessed, by the way, okay? Even your children, parents. You know, we get that way. We're like, what is wrong with this person, okay? But we can discern between spirits. We can know what's right and what's wrong and how to pray. Come on. We live like we're depending on him. Why? Because we're going places we've never been. And he's going to equip you along the way for what you need. Doesn't that make sense? Doesn't it feel better? Right? We're trying to steward our personal finances better as a family, like really better, because you have to, right? And there's things that don't line up, but I said, baby, he's going to take care of it. He's done it before. He'll do it again. I depend on him. I do what I'm supposed to do. I wrote my tithe. We do offerings. We do all that stuff. He's going to take care of that financial stuff. When you look around you and you see the world's a mess, he's going to use you to change it. You have to learn to depend on him. He is the vine. We are the branches. Apart from him, we're nothing. With him, we've got everything. We've got life bud. Life bud? No. Blood. You're like, this is not about drugs. Life blood flowing to you. Depending on him. All right? Remember our whole theme. He must become greater. I must become less. John the Baptist knew what it was about. Don't let... What you cannot do, interfere with what you can do. Do not let what you cannot do interfere with what you can do. Do what you can do and do it at your best. That's what you're here to do. 
And when you do what you're supposed to do, you will be fully dependent upon him, right? Last thing is this. They live, okay, disciples live willing to give it all. Willing to give it all. You see Jesus speaking with his disciples in this moment, chapter 10, about what will happen as they follow him and as they become those who are sent. He begins getting real with them. He begins getting honest with them. He, he begins showing them even what he's gone through, right? As after following God and him setting the precedent for them to follow him as well. He's getting real with what will happen in their lives. And you know, we talked about sacrifice a bit last week, but this is still a little bit different. Verses 37 through 40, you'll see that on your screen. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, okay? Remember, anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Jesus is not saying, hate your family. Is that clear? Nod your head if that is clear. Jesus is not saying, hate your family. Everybody get that? Everybody understand? What Jesus is saying is, listen, get the order right of your life. Creator, father, sustainer, parents, if you will, students, okay? Still us, old folks, parents, okay? Husband, wife, kids, it all starts with God, everything. That's what he's saying here, okay? Remember that. Make sure you understand that. Whoever does not take up their cross, what does that mean to publicly identify with Christ? What did he die on publicly? A cross, okay? So for us, it's an understanding of publicly taking up our cross. It's not the guy that carries the cross around the world. That's happened, literally. It's you identifying publicly, yes, I am a believer. Yes, this is what Jesus did for me. Yes, I am not, or no, I am not ashamed of him or my story, like Amanda was talking about earlier. I was blind, but now I see I publicly carry this cross. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Think about it. If you're not willing to give everything back to him, does the relationship work? I'm not worthy of care if I don't love her back. I don't deserve her love if I don't love her back. Think about that. I'm not worthy of it because she's given everything. Even childbirth, God bless you. Oh, a mother's love is just, I better work really hard to love back any way possible, right? It's talking about the worthiness factor there. Whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. In him, you will really find who you're supposed to be. Anyone who welcomes you, welcomes me. And this is what he's saying, this understanding to depend on me because there's people that may not welcome you in their homes, welcome you in their lives. Here's the thing. If they do, they're welcoming me. If not, don't worry about it. I am with you, okay? We see that sacrifice would mean even unto death as we look at Christ. Dietrich Bonhoeffer when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Die to self. It's the most important thing you do. Why do you think we fast? Listen, why do you think we do these disciplines on purpose? I'm going to tell you what, there's some stuff that's died in me in the last couple of weeks. And next week, there's going to be more that's going to die. I feel like in some ways I'm dying. I'm not. Look at me. I'm still healthy. But what I'm saying is this. Sacrifice. Given of oneself, when you're hungry, it leads you to him, right? Even unto death, I will die to self so that he can become greater. Less of me, more of him, even unto death. 
God desires that our lives point to him. C.T. Studd, I don't know if you've heard this before. Lots of quotes, I hope you enjoy. Said it best when he said this, some wish to live within the sound of a chapel bell. I wish to run a rescue mission within a yard of hell. Some wish to live within the sound of a chapel bell. I wish to run a rescue mission within a yard of hell. Three feet from the gate, if you think about it. I want to be that close to hell, <laughs> right? What are you talking about? I want to be that close to the nastiness of this world. Not, not being in it, not that, I'm not saying that. But I want to be that close to people that are broken, that we're basically saying, hey, look, I know you want to go into this thing here by what you've done throughout your life. I get it, okay? This is what you've said. This is what you've professed by not professing him. But here's the thing. I want to take you to heaven. Will you come with me? It's like standing right outside the club, literally, and saying, look, do not go in. Nothing good will come out of this. I swear to you, nothing good. Come with me to my small group. Come with me. Let's have some coffee. Let's open the word so you get some living water in your life. Hey, listen, come with me as a church. That's where we want to be, within a yard of hell, right? Not held up in our little yard. We want to be out there with people, running a rescue mission. Why? Because we love them so much. So you wonder, how will this happen, right? How will this happen? When we look at the lives of the disciples, they wondered the same exact thing because he was leaving. He was going to be gone. That's it. How is this going to happen? This may sound juvenile. This may be revelatory to you. But the thing is this, Acts 1, 4 through 8. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, again, around the table, having a conversation about life, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised. Listen to that. That my father has promised. That there are promises for your life. Promises. Things that he thinks about for you. But not just for you, but for everyone. And this is the message we are to carry promised, right? For your life, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Obviously always thinking, are you going to be the Messiah that we still thought you would be? Are you going to restore it right now? Are you going to be the king of this kingdom that you're talking about bringing to earth? Again, remember, he's talking about talking to Jewish folk so they can understand that the kingdom has come and it's come through people, right? You know what I'm saying by this? Because the Messiah came and then he enabled people to be disciples and now apostles. See what I'm saying by this? So Jesus is trekking with them here, right? And he's talking with them. He said to them, it is not for you to know the time or the dates the father has set by his own authority. I thought you said I'd have instruction. Well, you're not going to know when it all ends. You're not going to know. That's okay. I think what's so great about not knowing is that we live every single day to the fullest as if it could be our last. Think about it. Every single day, there's a divine appointment that you're on. Every single day, there is somebody for you to disciple. Every single day, there is someone for you to talk to about the love of Christ. Every single day, there is someone for you to pray for, to believe that God will restore them inside and out. It is not for you to know the days or the times, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Power, the ability to keep moving, the ability to keep trekking ahead, the super strong power, right? 
and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Don't leave because it's going to start here, is what he's saying, and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I think it's kind of neat that he says, start here, Jerusalem, with Jewish folk. Continue to Judea, Samaria, Samaritans, if you will. And then you're going to go from there, and the gospel's going to go everywhere. How? By way of his spirit in you. A lot of times people are like, oh, man, this is going that Pentecostal track. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. Oh, I'm getting scared. Don't. God's spirit is his promise. And it's an intimacy factor. as a byproduct of your relationship with Jesus Christ. Your relationship with God through Jesus. That he would fill you with someone that would never. This is how he will be with you to the very end of the age. His spirit living in you. You're like, I've heard this before. Yes, but have you felt this and experienced this? This will never make sense. He, the Holy Spirit, will never make sense until you have that relationship with him. When you become a believer, you get the triune God, absolutely. But God has more for you. He has deeper things that he wants to do through you. He wants to gift you. He wants to enable you so that you will have courage, that you will have power, Right, That you can discern, that you can even speak wisdom. Even if you're young, you can have wisdom if he's given you that gift of knowledge and understanding, of healing. He can flow through certain people at different times. He can use anybody at all. Right, A personal prayer language. That stuff's not scary. That's real. We can't be afraid of it. We can throw the baby out with the bathwater and miss him completely. This is how he will sustain us. This is how we will be apostles. This is how we will carry the good news message through him. Let him in. I want to challenge you this week. If you haven't started fasting and praying yet, this week, start and just say, I want more of you, God. We're going to get our team to come up. We're going to conclude with a song this morning. But I want you to take the challenge of asking for more. Whatever that looks like. Don't identify anything. Don't say, I want this or that, because the Father will give you what you need when you need it, period, okay? All you want is more. And whatever more looks like, you will take it. Do you understand where I'm coming from? Because it's the fullness of him. This is how we can go. This is how we are to be sent. Not to take a bag with copper and brass or whatever the other things he was talking about, gold but to take his spirit living richly within us. That's how we're going to make disciples. That's how we're going to turn others into apostles. And that's how the church is going to grow with the conspiracy of love. When you have him in your heart, you'll love like he does. You'll care like he does. And he'll tell you what to do, when to do it. He'll give you the instructions. He'll give you the boldness. He'll give you every single thing you need. Stand with me this morning. And I want us to start that journey of more. I want us to start that journey of God. I want more of you because you're in this place. You're walking into the room, right? Okay. See, we got. The thing is this. When you worship him, when you praise him, he inhabits, he walks into the room of your praises. So when you say, I want more of you, he'll do just that. When you do it with a pure heart, he'll fill you to overflowing. He'll give you every single thing you need, but you have to want him. We don't seek gifts. We don't seek the Spirit, we seek the Father because the Father gives us everything that we need. Are you with me? 
Nothing crazy. I don't do crazy. I do real. All right? So let's pray, and then we're going to move into this song. And I just want to challenge you in your seat, like we already started. Close yourselves in. Begin to seek him now even. Begin to ask for more as I pray. God, we thank you so much that you have promised us that you will be with us, that you have promised us that you will never leave us nor forsake us, that you have promised us that you will care with us, care for us with everything that's in you. And what I love about you too is that when we call upon your name, you're right there. Why? Because we welcome you in. You will never, ever push yourself on anyone. Why? Because you want us to love you because we understand that you first loved us. Oh God, you're so good. Your ways are perfect. Your plan is impeccable. The way you have chosen to impact us and to live with us and to dwell among us is absolutely amazing. It just floors me every time. And yet still you want to use us. Frail, broken, misguided, whatever. People. Humans. Dirt that doesn't have life until you breathe into it. Pray right now as we ask for more. That you would fan the flame within. Like stoking the fire. She would fan the flame within us. And we would feel that the fresh wind of your spirit blow right into the gut of our belly, the bottom, the, the pit, and that it would just blow out everything that's not supposed to be in. And you would fill us fresh and anew. And God, that you would have your way with us and have your way with everything we do and how we live. So walk into the room. We welcome you. Forsaken